Hello, and welcome to Life Stories, a podcast where I interview memoir writers about their lives and the art of writing memoir. I'm Ron Hogan, and my guest today is Jen Dahl, the author of Save the Date, The Occasional Mortifications of a Serial Wedding Guest, published by Riverhead Books. And Jen, it's a pleasure to see you. Thank you for having me here, Ron. It's nice to see you. One of the things that I'm curious about is that in the acknowledgments here, you, you, <laughs> you, you talk about you know your agent as one of the first people you think who gets in touch with you and says, "Do you want to write a book?" Right. And so I think the thing that I'm curious about is getting from that stage of "Do you want to write a book?" to yeah, and what I want to write a book about is all the weddings that I've been to. Right. And even before that, getting to a stage where someone asks you, do you want to write a book, I think is like an interesting question probably for aspiring writers. Before my agent got in touch with me, I had written an essay for The Hairpin that was basically five sentences that described each of the weddings I remembered having been to. And I wrote this essay because I hadn't thought... I just want to write an essay. I wrote it because I thought maybe it could be something bigger. So I was already, when he asked me that question, I was already kind of considering that this could be a bigger kind of book idea. And when I ran this story on the hairpin after doing it as almost a writing exercise, like what did I remember? What what different points in life had I been in, in these different weddings that I'd experienced? So many people responded, not saying, Jen, you're an amazing writer, which my mom thinks is really funny to, to bring up, but um, I've had these experiences too, and here's my wedding story. And the fact that everyone wanted to share their own story made me feel like this was a topic that resonated for all of us, regardless of the different types of weddings we've been to. We've all had experiences maybe where a friend has married someone and we didn't know how to deal with that, or we have gotten too drunk at a wedding, or we've hooked up with someone we shouldn't have at a wedding. And so that, the reaction to the hairpin essay made me go into this interview or go into the meeting with my agent, who became my agent, thinking that this would be a good book deal. Then from, or a good book idea and then hopefully a deal. From that, going from, yes, I want to write a book to actually writing a book about all the weddings I've been to. A point of clarification is that this is not all the weddings I've been to. I've actually been to many more. But these are the ones that worked for the book. And a book about all the weddings I've been to in my life would probably be like 600 pages long, which would be crazy. (laughs) No one would want to read. But going from the point where he liked the idea to actually selling the book to Riverhead. It was a process of a few months of putting a proposal together, of expanding the few sentences I'd run on the hairpin, deciding what I might want to add, what I might want to take away, and really working up a proposal that is fairly similar to an outline of the book that you see today. You alluded to some of the different types of, of wedding stories that you have that, you know, these aren't all just, oh, I went to this wedding, that it's like, yeah. There are your drunken misadventures. There are your hookups, some of which are overlapping stories. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because that's how it works in life, right? It's always as awkward as possible. And there's sort of like the recurring uh, subplot, for lack of a better word, of a relationship with a friend turned former friend, sort of a a fraught emotional relationship that runs through a number of weddings where... yeah, because you have so many mutual friends, you kind of do have to run into this woman over and over again. Yes, that is maybe one of the awkward points of adult life. And some of the reunion aspect to weddings where you tend to go to weddings 
with specific groups of people. So you have your high school friends, maybe. You have your college friends. You have after-college work friends. And when you grow close to any of those groups of people, inevitably, a few of them are going to invite you to weddings. And in my experience, and I think it's an experience that a lot of people share, those groups of overlapping friends both led to great joys in life, where you could hang out with the same people over and over again, celebrating these wonderful moments, and also some great pains and regrets when one friend who is, as you said, a subplot of the book, I couldn't figure out how to deal with the person she decided to marry, and I kept seeing them again and again at weddings, and disasters ensued. And with the reunion aspect, that particularly comes into play for you a lot, because as you write about Although you had shuffled around a lot as a child, Mm -hmm. your adolescent years were pretty stable with that one group of people. But it was a group of, like, the first opportunity as a young adult, you bolted. And so, like, it's the weddings that are really the opportunity to, uh, to reconnect with those people. Yeah, and go back. The idea, I'd grown up in a lot of different places as a small child, moved around a lot, and then in fifth grade moved to Alabama where I stayed until the end of high school. And those are those formative friends who I lived with a couple of them after graduating from college in New York City, but they they moved away. And one of the first adult weddings I go to, yeah, is going back to Alabama and confronting not only the awkward child and sometimes awkward teenager I was there with my newfound adult self, but confronting those relationships I'd left behind and feelings I may have tried to bury, like how I felt about an ex-boyfriend and the end of that relationship and how I felt about myself being this Alabama transplant who then moved to New York City. And I think we all have, whether we leave our hometowns or not, we grow up and we sort of wonder about the kid we were and the adult we were and have to come to terms with the merging of those two people. And in addition to those loose threads that are popping up, you also end up dealing with, when you go, particularly when you go to so many weddings, the longer you stay single and continue to go to weddings, the more you sort of end up confronting, whether it's simply internally or other people asking you about, well, when are you going to get married? Right, right. Like the expectation, I think, for a lot of people in their younger years is this is going to happen to all of us. We're all going to take our turn on this wedding ride and the presents that I bought for this friend will come back to me in registry gifts that they'll give to me when I find the person I want to marry. And early on in wedding going, I never questioned whether it was something I would do or not. And I think as I kept going to weddings... In my later 20s, into my 30s, and I was going with boyfriends sometimes who, in going to the wedding, I realized they weren't the right people for me. And then even later, going as a single person and maybe meeting a flirtation at a wedding, I started to get away from that idea that this just happens to everybody and more into a kind of reflective, like, is this what I want? And every person's wedding reflects, or they try to make it reflect, what they want in a marriage. But that doesn't mean that they're all the same by any means, and it doesn't mean we all want the same thing, whether we decide to get married or not. You talk about the boyfriends that you took to weddings and then realized that you weren't going to be, <laughs> you weren't, you weren't, they weren't going to be showing up at your wedding. Right, was, those poor guys. <laughs> um, I was thinking there's like, you know, one particularly blatant example you write about where it's like, as he showed up dressed for the wedding in black jeans, you're like, 
Okay, yeah. Not going to work. <laughs> I actually feel like such a jerk about that chapter because I feel like a jerk about a lot of my chapters now. Only because I don't want to be calling anyone out for behavior. We've all been, we've kind of all done things that we shouldn't have done at weddings. So the fact that he, yeah, I'm just the one who wrote about it. The fact that he wore black jeans, honestly, I wouldn't, okay, yes, you probably should not wear black jeans to a wedding, no matter what, unless you're going to like Mick Jagger's wedding and I don't know. They're like designer jeans. But um, he and I had been in this back and forth over him getting a suit. And so there was like a lot of tension in this idea, this what he was going to wear. And I thought that day he had been shopping for a suit or at least like dress pants. And then he showed up with the jeans on and was very defensive about wearing the jeans. And there was nothing I could do about it. I wasn't going to not go to the wedding. I wasn't going to not bring him. And my friends were all, none of them said anything to me but there was kind of this like we go to weddings wanting to do the right thing I think (laughs) even when the wrong thing ends up coming out so when you you yourself are trying to do the right thing and then the person you're inviting maybe does the wrong thing even unknowingly it's this additional level of embarrassment and shame and like I wish that hadn't happened and I mean if he had been a perfect guy for me I wouldn't have let black jeans wearing to a wedding stop us, I guess. But there were other issues. So what's the most embarrassing story that you have of your own you know, doing the wrong thing oh at weddings? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think, you know, honestly, there are a few. There, as I write about in my book, there are a lot of chapters. But I think the most really sad and embarrassing thing that I've done has been allowing my kind of stubbornness and immaturity create a situation where a friendship couldn't be regained, really. And that's the subplot that you mentioned of this friendship. You know, I don't actually think that I was wrong, just like I don't think she was wrong, but I wish that I'd handled it differently. And so it's embarrassing to think back about those weddings and think, yeah, you kind of drank too much and you ended up puking and screaming at someone. I mean, that's pretty awful. On the other side of that, I think this is a more funny, embarrassing moment because all was forgiven and my friends now think of it as a funny story, but it is the moment where I threw my shoes down the road because I refused to leave a party and it sounds horrible, but it also was like now is the stuff of legend in my friend group and the bride and groom think it's really funny. So I feel better about that, even though I wish I hadn't done it. Were you continuing to go to new weddings after this book kind of crystallized (laughs) as an idea? I thought you were going to ask if after I threw my shoes down the road. (laughs) Yes, I have kept going to weddings. Hilariously enough, people still invite me. I don't know if I'm like a token now, like, oh, bring the, the wedding book girl. But I've been to about five or six weddings since the book was done. One wedding I went to while writing the book, which is which comes at the end of the book and is the one in the Pacific Northwest. But even since finishing the book, there have been more weddings. And my brother and his fiance have asked me to officiate their wedding in September, which hopefully means that they don't hate. I, I dedicated the book in part to them, so maybe that was like my get out of jail free card. Well, and you're pretty nice to everybody. I mean, there's not any of these weddings where you're just like, oh my God, this was terrible. You're very complimentary about all the actual weddings. They were all actually really nice. I think the one that I'm the most negative about is probably the one that I remember as an eight-year-old. And I'm not even negative about it. I'm just kind of like, 
well, this is boring. And then, you know, because ceremonies can be boring and they can be too long. And then when the food and dance portion of the evening comes, I'm pretty excited about that as an eight-year-old girl. I didn't try to, you know, I wasn't trying to be nice, but I also have felt like the weddings I go to in my life have been really meaningful moments, and I've been proud to be invited, even though I didn't necessarily always behave the right way. And they really were pretty fun. You know, I didn't write about any of the not fun ones, I guess. You write about a couple of destination weddings, and you bring up what I thought was a really good point, which is that it's like, you know, you hit a certain age, and destination weddings no longer become... Yeah, the, no- the, the novelty wears off, let's say. Right. You're like, you know, you're 21, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're all going to the Dominican. This is going to be awesome. And then you're 35, and you're like, really? You want me to spend $2,000 to go to St. Lucia for a weekend? I mean, I still like the idea of going on a vacation with all of my best friends. I think that's really fun. But sometimes weddings are not the right time to do it, and I think that they do lose a little bit of their novelty as you keep going to them. There was a point in my life and in the book when I start going to a lot of more local weddings like Brooklyn and New York where I live. It's so nice to be able to just take a cab home from a wedding. It's like such a luxury and not get a hotel. Now, in addition to all the weddings that you write about, Hand in hand with weddings come marriages, of course, right. and, and relationships. And, ideally. <laughs> ideally. And, and, and that's where it ends, just weddings and marriages. Yeah, done. <laughs> done. But anyway, so as you're writing about all these weddings, you're writing about the relationships as well. Right. And one of the relationships that you sort of circle back to a couple of times, partly because it's one that you've had the most exposure to over the years, is your own parents. You know, that part of the book did not come from my hairpin essay. I never thought about including it until I started working on it as a book. And I realized that one of the most formative weddings that we experience is the one that most of us never go to, which is our parents' wedding and then the marriage that ensues and their relationship. So in the middle of the book, there comes this chapter where I really examine what their marriage has meant. And I talked to both of them. I kind of did interviews with both of them about what they saw in each other initially, why they got together, why they thought they were the right person, what they had learned from their own parents and grandparents about marriage. Doing that was such an interesting and, I don't know, like eye-opening experience. I feel like everybody should ask their parents this question just because it relates so much to how we end up feeling about our own relationships. And it can uncover some of the deep-seated things we never really reflect on. I learned a lot about, too, just the way that marriage existed for my parents. When they got married in 1969, a lot of people were only only courted for about six months before they got engaged, and that's what happened with my parents. My mom had been divorced before, and it was, like, kind of shocking, you know, because that was a little bit, that was sort of the still early time when people were getting divorces. She was having a second marriage, and growing up, I would always tease her about it, like, well, you know, you and dad shouldn't have lasted because you got that divorce the first time, which I'm surprised she actually like let me live to <laughs> write a book about her. But it was so interesting to hear about that and then think about the way that they thought about each other, how I think about my own possible future, you know, whatever they may be, long-term relationships or whatever. I was actually going to ask, you know, certainly there's the model that your parents provide for your own relationship future, but in a more broader sense, like having been to all these weddings, what kind of ideas have you formulated about what you want your own wedding to be like? <laughs> if I get married. I mean, the thing is like, 
first I would have to find someone that I would want to marry who I would think that I would be a good wife to, I guess. And that has not happened yet in my life. I think that if I were to get married, I would simply want to have all of the people I love around me and to be able to show them that I love them too. And I really don't care about a lot of the, you know, I think obviously there would be an open bar. But other than that, <laughs> I'm not worried about the kind of party element of it so much as what I learned in writing the book was that this community aspect to weddings, bringing together people from your past and your present and your future, that's the part that is so important to me and that you can even friends and family who may not have known each other because they're from different portions of your life, you get to bring them together in this one moment. And it's one of the few times we get to do that in life. And in an atmosphere of love, it's just like, it can be unbelievably wonderful. Whether you're wearing a white dress or have like hydrangeas or, you know, whatever. Although it doesn't bring everybody together physically, writing about that process of of those events that bring everybody together in an emotional or, or, or a more abstract way does bring everybody together as they're like finding out about the book and reading it. And yes, it, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, I, I can only imagine that it must be like this for other people who've written memoirs, but I feel like maybe it's more so with my book because it is kind of this wedding atmosphere and we're going back to the, to each of those little wedding ecosystems that have lived and then reuniting them, you know, with each other. So I have one friend who recently sent an email to all of her wedding guests saying, you have to buy this book. If you did anything bad, bad or good at my wedding, you're going to want to check it out. So it's kind of like reminding all of us of those little communities we existed in for a short time period. And so many people also have been kind of like popping out of the digital woodwork. People from high school who I haven't talked to in years. Um, people in high school that I don't think I ever talked to saying, you wrote this and, and I am this person's friend and I knew you from this. And that is both really lovely and also somewhat terrifying because I'm afraid that they'll read the book and then hate it and hate me forever. But that's memoir writing probably. Or that one guy's wife is going to read it and totally figure out who he is and uh, from that one chapter. <laughs> I am not excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried about that too, yeah. I mean, in writing a memoir, I think that there's a really hard line to walk. You need to tell the truth and you need to be honest. And some of the stories that maybe people wouldn't want to know about are the stories that you need to tell to make a good book. You can't couch those stories in, you can't hide them away. They're important. But at the same time, there are real people involved. I mean, I tried to make it very clear that this was my point of view. This was These are my experiences. I mean, that's the whole point of the book, that a wedding guest has her own experiences, too. And names are changed, and identifying characteristics where they would potentially endanger someone's future are changed. But that is something that I've wrestled with in this book. I think nobody tells you when you sell a memoir, by the way, you're going to be feeling really worried about all of these people in eight months or a year or whenever it comes out. But... I definitely did. So having been through this process once now, and certainly as a working journalist, you're writing all the time, but have you thought about another book-length project? Yes. I'm always thinking, because thinking is easier than writing, right? Like, I have some ideas, and I haven't decided anything just yet, but 
I would like to, kind of like the lens of weddings, have a similar lens to look at the ways we behave in life. I think that human psychology is so interesting, and in writing about weddings, I was able to look at human psychology in many different ways, you know, in these like cultural norms and our reactions to them. And so I would like to continue to do stuff of that ilk. What would be your one bit of advice for anybody as they get their next wedding invitation? When you get an invitation, look at it and decide if you really want to go or if you don't want to go. And if you don't want to go, don't go. Because you really don't have to go to every wedding. And you can still be friends with people even if you don't go to your wedding, as, to their wedding, as long as you're kind of honest and kind to them. The worst thing in the world is go to a, going to a wedding you don't want to go to and then making an ass of yourself when you're there or kind of being rude. So I think that. And then also if you do go, just don't drink too much. <laughs> drink, but don't drink too much. That is very sound advice, and there are some very great stories in this book about what happens when you don't follow it, uh, and there are plenty of other great stories in it as well. The book is Save the Date, The Occasional Mortifications of a Serial Wedding Guest. It's written by Jen Dahl, and I've been talking to her on this episode of Life Stories. Now, if you're subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, thank you for that. If you aren't subscribed on iTunes yet, it's very easy to do, and then you'll get notifications of each new episode as it comes out. Either way, when you subscribe, please take a moment to rate or review the podcast. It makes it a little bit easier for other folks using iTunes to find it as well. I'm Ron Hogan. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me for another episode soon.